Ho, 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 well, well, well. Yet another Monday evening here in the city of Houston at the KPFT Studios. Hi, thank you for tuning in to FM Rager. As always, I'm Connor Clifton, and I'm joined by my host, uh, my co-host, Ned Gale. I am your host. Yes, I, I'm just a parasite. Connor has uh, embedded himself into my body. He's feeding off my nutrients, and it's uh, feeling pretty good. I'm healthier than I've ever been. <laughs> yeah, you eat very well. And me? I eat- Less bacteria than I've ever had in my life. Yeah, that's why you're so skinny, because Thank I you. eat all your fat yeah. and all your nutrients. <laughs> uh, so, Ned, let's just jump right into it. How was your freaking weekend? My weekend was good. Uh, took it easy most days, because Sunday we shot for our live show, and Rager. Oh, man. When is that? That show is tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we shot really late. Oh, uh, yeah. We really... Uh, <laughs> 11th hour here. <laughs> uh, but no, that, that was a really fun shoot. Yeah, I, it was I, good. I'm really happy with the footage. Yeah. And it's it's cool because my coworkers keep asking like what's your new house look like and i was able to show them a funny sketch and force them to watch my comedy <laughs> while showing them the house yeah. yeah of course yeah this is the the first sketch that we filmed in the new house a mm-hmm. uh, lot of natural light oh love the natty light in we there. got the, yeah, beautiful we, we got to see how the uh, acoustics were my hearing bad ned how are the acoustics i don't really you're in the editing room i don't know how it is they're good yeah <laughs> <laughs> could they be better Sure. I don't know. No, it's it's pretty. I mean, the 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 front room is big. It's a shotgun style house. So like all the rooms on the side are like small because <laughs> the the roof just goes down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got our tub. The house, yeah, out, the house is very could, comical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our our tub was too close to the wall, mm-hmm. which uh, came down. Yeah. Like, I had to basically take a knee while it was showering, which yeah. was tough because the national anthem was playing outside every day and. Boy, do I support our trips. <laughs> well, we finally got the tub moved back, mm-hmm. and now you can take a shower standing up like a big boy. Oh, How it's do you great. Feel? <laughs> it's great. Yeah? Mm, yeah. That's so good. Not a lot of water pressure in that shower. No, no, no. Yeah, I've been getting flat hair. The boys are hitting the top of my head. <laughs> no longer have that clean back of my neck like I was having for a week. <laughs> uh, d- did we do anything else this weekend? I feel like- uh, Not really. We kind of just sat around, yeah, hung around. What was ready. Friday night? Was there something crazy Friday night? I had Friday a date. Lights or something? You had Black- a date? Yeah, I went to go see Black Clansman. Oh, I had a date too. I was with Zaid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're editing something. Yeah, before. yeah. Oh, man, I can't wait to see how that goes. Ooh. Uh, uh, one cool thing that we finally have been doing in this new neighborhood, this new house of ours, we're getting to know our neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, we've got these really, really lovely neighbors, Moira and David. Hey, mm-hmm. if you're listening, awesome. Didn't expect you guys <laughs> yeah. to be fans. How did you find this? <laughs> yeah, they must have given us a recommendation to move in. They've been mm-hmm. following us for yeah. a long time. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Moira and David are so, so sweet. They've got a cat. What is the name of their cat? Jenny Sunshine. Yeah, I call her Garfield. <laughs> Big and orange. <laughs> Uh, but David, today, he just shows up with these oranges. Bearing gifts. Yeah, that he took from someone else's yard. He took from our, wait, it was the property line yard. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's right behind the car there. And I was like, well, you just took these from our tree. Oh, okay. He clearly saw us seeing him pick the oranges, and he's like, crap. <laughs> he had to <laughs> walk over and bring them. Yeah. So these oranges, I've never seen anything like them. They were green oranges. <laughs> What, were they, what did he call them? Welcome to Fruit Talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. That's what the FM stands for, Fruit Man, because we're not on <laughs> FM radio. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't know what they were called, but it was it was like an orange, but the the whole rind of it was or- it was green, yeah. but, but bright orange on the inside, super sour, super delicious. It, it reminded me of just Photoshop. Yeah, you know, I just took off the green thing, and it was oh, that's what orange. you said to him. You said, "Is this Photoshop?" Yeah, <laughs> and he yeah. said, "No, I am David." And then I asked him if he was the Orange Bandit, and <laughs> what do you know? He said it was. He said, "Yeah, yeah he said, yeah." He's been going around stealing oranges from everybody and just giving them to other people. He's the Robin Hood in the neighborhood, uh, but it was. Really, but he's Robin Hood. <laughs> it was. It was very awesome 
to get to talk to him and get to learn these really cool things about all the different fruit that's in our neighborhood. He was he was a good fruit teacher. Yeah, it was, it was a really great learning experience. He was such a great teacher. And speaking of teachers, I'd really love to welcome our guest for today. Please give it up for the very hilarious Dusty Rhodes. Hey, Dusty. Hey, oh, my Hi, goodness. Can we hear me? I can hear I you. I can hear me, but I believe you if you can hear I, me. Hey, what's going on here? Pump up this mic. Uh, I mean... Oh, geez. Okay, hang on a sec. We're going <laughs> to figure this out. Uh, oh, the mic wasn't on. That would have been is it? Oh, no, wait. I'm still not getting any sound yeah, out there. wait a sec. Hang on. <laughs> See if there needs to be any gain on that uh, that part of the mixer. Right here? No, it's fine. Oh, wait, hey, the gain right below the, the plug-in, there's a little knob right there. Yeah, turn that guy up a little bit. Dusty, talk for me real quick. Up. No, well, maybe not. Oh. Wow. You want to try a different input on there? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, FM Rager, where where the uh, the technical difficulties come once a week. All right. Try now. Now am I? Can you hear me now? Oh, I'm hearing you a little bit. Am I hearing me? I'm, I'm hearing, hearing you. Me. Yeah. 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 Hey, Dusty in the mix. Y'all didn't know this. Uh, you couldn't hear Dusty, but she was teaching us what to do. <laughs> and uh, she's been through public media before. She's tied uh, not only to KPFT, but also KUHF. Uh, she's one of the host. No, you're the host. You're the host of The Moth, the storytelling yeah. show that we have here in Houston. You're also the host of uh, uh, an open mic here at Rogers. That's tonight after the show. If you love Dusty so much after hearing her, you can probably go find her over there. Go follow me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you do so much in this town. So where should we start? Yeah, how do you do it? That's so many things in one day. Oh yeah. Spill the beans. Where's your time crystals? I know. I don't know. I think I just. I. I think I'm like I'm. I'm diagnosed ADHD ever since I was younger, and I think that just like that makes me just need to do lots of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like everyone always asks me that question, and then they start naming all of the things I do and then I just get really tired. <laughs> I think sometimes oh, someone says it. Actually like, hearing the list. I really yeah. want to go to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a random spot. All right, we'll start with your comedian. Mm -hmm. All right, so you have performed at, I believe I saw you at Summerfest once before. Mm -hmm. I've seen you at Come uh. and Take It. Yes. Uh, I've seen you at Come and Take It a couple of times. Fact. And um, does Houston have more festivals with comedy? Have you done more festivals besides the ones um, that I've seen? You I've at? done well. I've done Hell Yes Fest. That's in New Orleans. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, no, I mean I've done shows outside, not any other festivals outside of Texas, but then just like random shows. Like I was in New York and I got to do comedy at the Knit, which is the knitting Whoa. factory show that Hamble Burris started. So that was that was really cool and intimidating because everybody was <laughs> like, it was like next person is a writer for Late Night with so and so, and as seen on Conan O'Brien, and now it's Dusty Rhodes. She's from Houston. She'll yeah. be on FM Rager in a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's all I got. I was like, hey. <laughs> uh, so how long have you been doing comedy? I think like five or six years. It's weird. Dang. Cause like the, like what we were, what we were talking about earlier for the show, like the reason I do comedy is because of something I did before. Like I was a journalist before I became a teacher and a comedian. See, I didn't know this about you. Connor was, I was like, so what's up? I don't know Dusty super well. What does she do? He's like, well, she used to be a journalist. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. how, how long were you a journalist? So I started at the U of H paper uh, in 2003 or four. Whose house? Uh, Whose? <laughs> uh, that was a bad answer, but yeah, I got you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I started there and just started writing, like just started writing, became an editor 
and then section editor and then I got hired at the press in like 2006 or 7 nice. and I was there I was the assistant night and data which really is just like a fancy term for a staff writer who wrote all the stories about what's coming up on the weekend mm-hmm. but not like um, an exhaustive list of everything there is to do in the weekend in one story like you know like picking the stories yeah, that, like yeah. the really things and then more highlighting but, yeah and um, I wrote a lot about comedy because I really loved comedy and so because I wrote a lot and it was crazy because I got to interview like all these crazy good comedians back then and this is before I even wanted to do stand up like Patrice O'Neill like Louis Black like like yeah like Greg Giraldo uh, Maria Bamford just all of these comedians that now I'm just like I can't believe like Dimitri Martin like I opened for him at Heights Theater like a year ago and had a conversation with him about how when I was in college I interviewed him because he did a set at the Laugh Stop. That is so awesome. Yeah, and so it was like weird because I felt like I was like studying comedy. It's almost like I studied comedy because I was like writing for the paper, but then I was also just I was I really loved comedy, so I would just get to talk to all these comedians about like what they did, and then. Uh, I got laid off at the press and I didn't really want to do journalism anymore. I was kind of just burnt out. So then I yeah. was like, well, I'm just going to just go back to school and become a teacher because I think that's what I just need to do anyways. Like I just felt it. And then once I started teaching and I was hanging out with a lot of stand-ups, like Chase Russo is like one of my oldest friends going back. I used mm-hmm. to hang out with Chase just like all the time. And one day I was just like, um, it's when New Movement came to town and they used to do the night at Mango's. Like Lisa oh, uh, Relativity? Yeah. yeah. And um, they used to do an open mic and I would hang out with Lisa all the time and Amy. And one day they were just like, why don't you just get up there and try stand-up? And I just did it. And it was crazy. I was just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I went up there and I like, everything started like very storytellingly, which is another, that's the reason that I got the moth. Um, and that's how, and then I just like kept doing it because it wasn't awful every time. That how was, was your first set? That's, I like, I have two things that I hate about myself in life. <laughs> <laughs> I have the fact that my first year teaching and my first time doing stand-up were both amazing. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I will never like, top. <laughs> and I don't like saying it because it's like the weirdest things. There's like, no, and I'm like, no, it is. Like, I went up, I told this story that I told to my friends before. It di- didn't suck. Uh, I was like, well-received, but it's also like a new movement audience. So every, I mean, of course it's like, everyone's yeah, just like yeah. on your side, but it's these two things that like, I hate when I'm like, so how was your first time? I'm just always like, it's, uh, it's okay. <laughs> but but the funny thing was, I remember telling Chase, I called him the next day to tell him that I did. I was like, oh man, I went up and like didn't suck. And he goes, oh man, that's terrible. And I go, why? And he goes, because now the first time mm-hmm. you do bomb, it's going to be awful. And it uh, was. The first time that I bombed, I was like, what? <laughs> first time I did stand up, phenomenal. Second time, so bad, they burned down the pizza place the night by. Oh uh, and, then I, and then I did improv for three years before I did stand up again. <laughs> I remember when that yeah. happened. Ugh. Oh man. I've, I've never never been good at stand-up. <laughs> I've seen I, you do sets I'm more at big, poetry nights. Yeah, I'm more big picture, you know? I, I don't even... I do go to poetry, and I'm like, wait, what? What is this? Have you have you done stand-up at a, a non-comedy yes. open mic? Well, it wasn't non-comedy, but it was in every... Like, House of Tay that used to be open. Now it's like some fancy restaurant, but it was right there on the Fairview. Fairview? And like... Uh, yeah, right there by that cleaner. It was called House of Tay. And they had, I think that's where Warren Wright first did his set. Nice. And it was an all ages sort of, but it was an everything open mic. And I used to go there. I think, Chase, I think Chase was the one who brought me there. But yeah, it was like a mixed. It was like poetry. It was music. It was stand up. I think a guy juggled once. It was everything. <laughs> well, and the new movements used to be that way. And Fitz used to be that way. Yeah, yeah. I remember but both Fitz of those like had more of like a lively tone. But House of Tay, it could go. It could go either way. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so you said that you've had storytelling uh, as a big part of your first time telling open mic or doing open mic. Uh, is storytelling still a major part of your comedy, or are you more like quippy? Or? No, I think that there always is. Like I have that sort of just always like underlining. Like everything's always attached. Like yeah, there's definitely always going to be something at the end that comes back to the beginning. Like I'm definitely really that's something that I obsess over. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm gonna tell a joke that lasts more than like four minutes or even three minutes the end has to like mention the beginning and i think so yeah like a lot of my my favorite bits all have like a like a, a storyline to them even it like true or not true mm-hmm. well through that you said that that's how you got the the moth gig i was there for the first moth i saw you tell a story mm-hmm. and i was there for the second one i saw you hosting yeah i'm like hey, i know her <laughs> yeah oh, no. so that worked because so the when the moth elizabeth bailey brought the moth to houston through kuhf and she contacted me just like this was like months before and she was like hey have you heard of the moth of course i had she was like i'm bringing a moth storytelling chapter to houston i'm really pushing for you to be the host um they want to see more than one person but i really want it to be you and i was like okay she's like i'll keep you i'll keep you in touch of course so then she says okay here's how it's going to work on the first so the first storytelling one you saw it was myself and someone else um, I don't want to like out them that they didn't make it. I feel like that's mean. Uh, but myself and someone else were there, and because the moth is random, like you guys have been. So if you don't, if you aren't familiar, the moth, like every person that's on the moth, they get drawn out of a bag. Mm-hmm. But for that show, the other person and I were going to be drawn. Quote, I'm quoting. If you're not watching on TV, <laughs> do you guys see air quotes on the radio? Uh, we we have a sound effect. Just yeah, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, please so just, add that if you're not. Quick, yeah. uh, <laughs> you just do that every time. Yeah, exactly. So we were drawn out of the bag, and that was our audition. They're like, we want to see each of you tell a story. Nice. And based on that story, just to kind of gauge like how you are in front of a crowd. How do you like, how do you deal with it? And uh, I kind of knew the other person's story just didn't go well. Like I always felt like I was just like, it was like he, he had to go first, which is not great. And it was, the story was like sad. It was a really good story, but it just wasn't, you know, I think he was like trying to make it lively and you know what I mean? Because he's like, hey, I have personality, but also this is a story about being addicted to heroin or something, you know? Oh, so, okay. Yeah. I know who it is now. Yeah. I'm like giving, feeding Connor You guys Connor can just say clues. my names. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, so um, so they after that, it was like a couple days later that they just called me and they said, hey, we'd like you to be the host if you're interested. And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. And so then I've had a wonderful time since then. I've seen you host that show several times i used to go to the moth all the time now second tuesdays now you're like now i've seen you enough i'm over it (laughs) i I started the new show specifically it's like i need an excuse (laughs) uh but you are phenomenal hosting that show you go above and beyond and making sure every guest feels comfortable welcome heard especially like even if the scores aren't good you definitely uh whenever i would tell a story you would always make me feel like hey you know my story mattered to someone like, I could always look out of the corner Aww. of my eye and see Dusty being like, ha-ha! Yeah. Yes! yeah. It's funny now because I have, like, I work at this new school and we have, like, a culture of, like, snapping when we agree with someone. And it sucks because I sit behind the storytellers and when they say something, I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> they stop and like look behind them like am I doing something wrong and I'm like oh no so I'm, a, sna- I'm yes. a snapper now that's a that's a thing that's changed in my life oh man well a lot of those storytellers are really old they aren't familiar with just like snapping I know like... I'm like you cats aren't cool <laughs> <laughs> you don't speak jive <laughs> uh, what'd you call me <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> I have to like warn people now at the beginning that I'm like, hey, this is a thing. Cause I feel bad. I try not to do it. Like, oh, like usually I'm like, that's the thing that is so hard about being a host and enjoying storytelling is if you're looking at me from the stage, you see that like while someone's telling a story, we're also sort of multitasking. Like I have to read the slips, you know, like we're kind of reading all because we do like the, the, the prompt of like, mm -hmm. hey, have a quick sentence that relates to story. So, um, Jessica and Jasper and I are trying to filter through those while I'm still trying to like listen to people because I want to hear their stories. But it's like it's sometimes, you know, it's also it's also hard because I have like super ADHD. And I think what people think people's perception ADHD is so different for every person. Like everybody thinks it looks the same. But for me, what it is, is that someone will say something and it will trigger something in my mind and my mind will think start thinking about that. And then I have to be like, no, go back, go back, you know, like go back to this. And so sometimes people start telling a story and they'll say something like oh yeah that's like and then it's like yeah. oh you're done and then i hear applause and i'm like oh, that 40 was feet down the ocean yeah. like huh what yeah <laughs> yeah i so like i said there are a lot of old storytellers there uh i get the impression that when they tell their stories these are the same stories they've been telling to their friends at the bars for decades yes like, mm -hmm. it's like oh i know exactly how to tie this <laughs> sort of kind of to the theme like yeah, this is yeah, gonna yeah. be a great story that can always see yeah yeah i go up there i have the theme i got the idea i kind of wing it you, whenever I see you tell a story on that stage, it looks like you have written something, memorized it, and then got you know James Lipton to teach you how to really bring voice to it. Like you are very wow. Very good thanks at for this. inviting me on the show. Where does it come? All right, I got this huge stack of questions. Yeah. I will turn them up. But you, what is your preparation method for this storytelling? So sometimes it is a story that I like. There are certain stories that. I try not to tell as much that I like telling. So like when we do the love hurts story for a long time, like there was like a store, the store, the bed of leaves story, which sorry, I don't know, come to the moth and you'll see it. <laughs> but it's a story that I've told that like happened to me that fits that theme. And there's a couple of them that fit that theme. And I think also like, I mean, I think that is that reason is that because my stand up is so that way. And I think it's because like a lot of, for me, a lot of the memories I have are just still like, in those moments when things are emotional, they're still so vivid that like, I guess like that's able while why, why I feel like I'm able to express them like as they were for me in the moment, because I still can like, like latch on, especially if there are stories from whom I young, like when I was younger, I can still very much like latch on to who Dusty was, even though it was like 18 years ago, like who I was 18 years ago. And I think that's part of it is like, I have a joke about that now where like ugly Dusty, like never left me. Like she's still always there. You know what I mean? Like it's like part of like why people are like, I can't like, I can't believe you don't have any confidence. And it's like, oh, I grew up ugly. Like try it. Like it just never goes away. So I feel maybe that's why I don't know. Other than that, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Another thing I've seen you do in terms of storytelling is Big Benchies, which we've done one together. Mm, yeah, we got to do another one. We really it. do. Oh it's my so, gosh. It was so much fun. It was so great. We did the movie Overboard. Yeah. Yeah, which uh, doesn't hold up. <laughs> uh, surprisingly, really creepy. Doesn't hold up. They just remade it. <laughs> they did remake it. I oh, saw that's the that. Thing. When you gender swap, it's okay. But... Is that what the new one is? They gender swap? Yeah. I, I, like, Anna I've... Ferris played the handyman who's had it up to here with this rich guy, and she <laughs> lies to him and keeps him as a sex slave. 
that's what the plot of the movie essentially no, that is. That totally. Yeah, I love. We feel. I feel like one of the things part of we really brought that out. <laughs> like in the movie, we just brought out like how like there's so many great lines from Antoine like playing that character. Oh just, yeah. Like you are the worst kind of person. Ah, just, a, just a creep. <laughs> what What did you guys change the story of the show? Or can you explain Big Benchies real uh, quick for okay, the people listening. Okay, so Big Benchies are if you haven't gone to Neo Benchy yet, a Neo Benchy is just a five to seven retelling of a movie scene where you take the movie clip, you cut the audio out of it, you write, rewrite the dialogue, and you read it live in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. A big benchy at that, but it's like an hour? Yeah. Yeah. So we it's like a full movie, yeah, but still but them, still chopped up. They yeah. take the movie and then re they totally change the plot. They don't do that every time. They did that for ours. They totally change the plot up. So like Overboard in the beginning was like Goldie Hawn is this rich woman that Kurt Russell's making like a shoe cabinet for. She falls off a boat and is like in the hospital and unconscious and he comes in and basically is like that's my wife and takes her back to his home where he forces her to be his wife and by be his wife I mean take care of his kids and have sex with him while he goes out with his friends until one day Oh we should sh- we should clarify she has amnesia. She has amnesia the whole time so she <laughs> believes him. So that's what makes it a comedy. It's funny. She doesn't remember and she's bad at being a housewife. She's so bad. <laughs> yeah. Um and then the shoe cabinet business yeah. went up during yeah. the year. Yeah. <laughs> and then we changed it to she starts off she is like the, our re our restructure of it was she she was in that family like she was the mom to this family and they are poor and at one point she remembers it's just like everything's too much for her and she remembers she had this like rich boyfriend and so she like and the rich boyfriend comes to visit and she leaves with him and then lives this like like she's like on a yacht or whatever and then realizes she, well then she's like kind of like missing it but kind of loving it and it ends because she's like kind of realizes she like misses her husband she goes to find her like old wedding ring from her husband and she ends up like falling off the boat oh, it's no. like essentially what happens at the beginning yeah. of the real movie yeah. and she's dead you just reversed it and, no, yeah. and then she it dies was, <laughs> yeah it was called love isn't real and we all die alone yeah. it was really fun though yeah it, the process is just really fun the director was going through something so. yeah. <laughs> oh she was yeah well, <laughs> when she told me the name I was like you okay yeah you want to just tell you go for drinks we don't have to process this through art we can just like convert hey that's what art's for baby yeah all right so now going back to neo benchies i've seen you do a collection of amazing neo benchies uh for heb with jj watt it's jj the commercials themselves are jj watt and the ceo of heb being like "Mm, this food's good and it's cheap we're eating together in my backyard yeah Yeah. but what i've seen you do do you want to explain this okay yeah for the first one that i did well they both had an underlying theme where Scott from HEB had Shanghai JJ Watt's dad <laughs> and he's trying to move in on JJ Watt's mom. So the first commercial is like an opening of JJ Watt eating ice cream and it's sort of his mom sort of introducing the fact that he's eating his feelings because his dad is gone. And then the next commercial is like them at Thanksgiving dinner, but JJ Watt is like, Why are you here? Where's my dad? And then the third commercial is actually this like commercial of this like fisherman that works for HEB, but I turned it into like JJ Watt's dad who's like Shanghai. And so that's sort of the progression is like J.J. Watt is like I miss my dad and J.J. Watt's mom is like Scott's my new boyfriend and then the second round I did two of those like I did one with the and then I did a second round of new commercials with the same thing where his dad was still gone and he was trying to like he was kind of trying to get used to it but at that point Scott was trying to like get the other Texans players to be his friend (laughs) so J.J. Watt would like him and they were like nah I still we don't like you either 
yeah, that was fun. I'd like to say, once again, that's the storytelling in you. It's just like finding a, a string between all these commercials, right. like 10 out of 10. Well, <laughs> we've all done Neo Benchies, and I think that they can be quite uh, nerve-wracking because you get one shot with it, and mm-hmm. you don't really know what's going to hit. You don't really know what's going to land. You just got to have this confidence. But you've also given people an opportunity to workshop jokes in a different way. Like I said earlier, you run an open mic at Rudyard. How'd you get started with that? Did you start that open mic? Was it bequeathed to you? It's kind of yes and no. So what had happened is Sherlock's shut down all of a sudden because the bar closed. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Farron, who was doing stand-up back in the day, and he was running shows with Joe Bates called a couple of stand-up guys. And he and I became friends because we started around the same time. And I immediately like called him and was like, when I saw it, like that it had closed. And I was like, we need to, like, you need to call this person at Rudyard's and you need to tell her that you want to do an open mic there every Monday. Um, and you can't ask for anything. Like, like I had known the history of like people doing comedy at Rudyard's before and comedy in Rudyard's did not have a great history before then. They Can used you to expand do, on that? Uh, a little bit. They had like a night on, um, they had a night on Tuesdays at Rudyard's Comedy Workshop, which was run by like it was a, like it was kind of a revolving door of people that would run it. But it was more so just like the night wasn't very well attended. Like I remember going and I would be like the only person in the audience, and that's how it was. And this was at a time though when Houston comedy. Like I wrote a story for the press that was called um, Funny Business. And a lot of comedians hated me after I wrote the story. <laughs> when I say a lot, I mean like the 10, there was like 15 people doing comedy at the time, and 10 of them were upset with me. Because it was an honest portrayal of the fact that at the time, there was a lot, there was really talented people here in Houston. And, and I think like people read it, like comedians read it, and I can I understand their feelings of like you're reading it and saying that there's like no one's coming out to comedy shows. I'm like, yes, that is an accurate (laughs) portrayal of what's going on right now. I'm sorry it hurts you to hear that, but it's true. And I'm not saying that it's right. I'm saying it is a shame because of all the talent that we have. Because it was back when like Paul Odo was doing comedy, Sarah Talamash, when Kristen Linder was like out all the time. There were a lot of like great, like there were a lot of great comedians going up and doing like Alan Adams was like, you could see him out a lot more frequently, Bob Bigger stuff. There was a lot of really talent, Albert DeLeon, Owen Dunn. I mean, there was a lot of talent at the time I think this was just before um, Owen started or maybe right at the same time but there was like a lot of good talent in Houston just no one was interested and I don't know what that had to do so anyways Rudyard's was happening and it wasn't going well and also like some of the comedians at the time that were in charge of it weren't exactly like making nice with like the bartenders or the owners because I remember being in the bar at Rudyard's when Kevin called the owner and she like turned to someone and was like, this is what they're getting. If they try to get anything else, <laughs> you were, they're done. And so I, that's why I was very clear with Kevin. I was like, Hey man, we have to build a really good relationship if we're going to do this. And so I was sort of like Kevin and I were running it together. And I was very like hands off though, because I knew sort of when I started coming in the scene, a lot of people weren't easy about me because I wrote that article and just, you know, like, so I tried to just like, I wanted it to happen. So I gave him all the support I could. And then Kevin just was sort of like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And I didn't want to see it handed off to someone. One of the reasons I always loved Kevin is I felt that Kevin did what Kevin did because he really wanted to have a place to do comedy. Kevin never wanted to be in charge. Like that was not his motivation. And I think that that's something in any 
entertainment field is you have to look out for like there's people who like there's people who like just want to do it there's people who want to do it and they want power within it and there's people who just want power and found a way to you know access mm -hmm. it and I feel that Kevin was a very humble person that was like I just want to run this night I wanted to have it to be there but then after a while he was just like I just you know a lot of things happened with him and he like he was going to move and so the reason I took it over was like I just want to make sure like and I had to remind myself constantly like you're here to just make this a good place for comedy I think those are the best leaders of the people who are just like they don't want to see it fail they're not there to be the leader they're like i just want this to work so yes. i will do it yeah, <laughs> like, yeah and i feel like yeah. every change i made to red Years was because like there were a lot of people like i remember when i started an email sign up moans and groans and i was like the whole reason i sign have an email sign up is because i hate waiting in lines mm -hmm. and i hate that all of you have to get here like the open mic would start at eight and some of you are getting here at 5 30 or 6 just to start waiting in line doesn't that sound like it sucks <laughs> you know what i mean like so here's a way that none of you have to do that and like oh we have to remember i'm like you can remember on a thursday <laughs> Or Friday, send an email, send or you an can alarm. wait. And you can, <laughs> if you can get here at five thirty to wait in line, you can send an email Thursday or Friday. And so I just everything I tried to do, I tried to do it, a to make comedians feel like they were respected. You also know when you go up on the list, so you don't have to show up there super early. Oh, such a well formatted right? table yeah. too. Right. I love that email. <laughs> yeah, and I just like I'm like it's very specific so that everybody knows like what's going on. I can't promise. I try my hardest not to bump people. There are times like before the holidays in those emails I send out to people. I up front I have like another warning that. I'm like, hey, it is it is the holidays, like Thanksgiving and Christmas. You, we are trying to stick to the show, but if I have someone drop in from out of town, you might not. You know what I mean? Like, it might not happen for you. I try to be considerate of people's times because yeah. I want people to be considerate of my time. Mm -hmm. As long as you're considerate to me, and sometimes even when people are not, I try to just give it my best, just because I don't. I want it to be a place that is just like people come to it and say that is a well-run open mic. I want to go back. Yeah. Whether I'm a comedian or an audience member. I'd love to see you run for office and then you pitch something that's like, look, guys, this is going to be better for everyone. Boo! Yes. <laughs> Boo. Yeah. Abortions for all. Boo! We want it Abortions we for want everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, uh, yeah, totally. like I feel like that sometimes where I'm just like, and I remember Bob Bigger stuff when I first started it. Um, and I first started running it that way. And Bob like gave me that advice. Two pieces of advice that I got. One was Bob Bigger stuff that said, no matter what you're going to do, people are just going to complain. So you need to just run it and run it. And then Andy Huggins, who told me when someone was like, things didn't seem fair. Andy Huggins said, F, but he didn't say F. He was like, F fair. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like my two words of advice from Andy Huggins. But it was sort of like an in-between of those where I had to just like pick and like choose. And I feel like I, like the thing I always say is, when Rudyard's will let me know when Rudyard's doesn't need to exist anymore, and when that's the time, then we'll hang our hat, and that'll be it. But like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. when mm -hmm. when people stop coming, when comedians don't want to sign up, when it stops being a good room, that'll happen. And I, when that happens, I will be like, okay, we had a good run. But like, it's still as long as people keep signing up, as long as people still coming out, I want that to be a room because I think it's a really good, yeah. um, it's a really good place to work out. And like when I talked to like I went to New York this summer and just I remember talking to Ashton who Womack who was a comedian from here who's been in Houston, I mean Houston, who's been in New York now for um, a year, and he just like like every time we met up, Ashton had to like. Sing the song of Rudyard's. So just like how much he missed it. He's like, people just don't realize how good they got it out there. <laughs> but I, I, as long as like that's that's really all I want from that. Like, um, is that? But and like then also like I'm human, so sometimes I get frustrated because I know like I remember like a couple years ago waking up to a text from Gabe and Andrew, and they were like, oh man, we were at Boondocks and. 
there are three like new comics in the corner talking about how you're the ice queen. Uh. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like I'll take it. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean like sometimes I'm like, and that's the problem with, I remember talking to like the woman who runs the moth, like the headquarters, she was the one time, she's like, sometimes people say that you're unapproachable, Dusty. And I was like, I just don't, like people come at me like all the time and sometimes I'm like, I need processing time. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like I was like, I, I think it's sometimes because I'm a teacher, kids throw, like I'm so used to having to deal with kids and their impatience, but even kids, if I'm like, hey, I need you to chill out for a second. You know what I mean? But when I get it from adults, sometimes I'm less, that is the thing about being a teacher that destroyed like a part of me is that I am really, I have little patience for adults and that's been my last <laughs> year was my like New Year's resolution, like New Year. <laughs> the, the that's it. Yeah. But it was like, my thing was like, I really need to start having more patience again with adults and re and giving them the same grace that I give my students because sometimes like they're caught in that moment too. And I sometimes I forget how young a lot of the stand up comedians are. I always forget how young people are. Like, I think I always just think everyone, like, we're in the same place. We're all the so same. So we're all age. the same. Yeah, level yeah, out. Yeah, we exactly. both have a beer in our hand. Why? That is crazy that you're you're a teacher and then you go on stage. You're literally performing for an audience like all day. I have like three coworkers and I get pissed off at them. I can't imagine <laughs> being in front of kids and then going on stage right. afterwards. That's what like, I tell people all the time. Like it's like any like I tell people like teaching is like a job because I'll say things sometimes. I'm like you have to mm -hmm. realize like uh, it's a job just like we all have. Mm -hmm. but the difference between a lot of jobs and my job is every hour a bell rings and I have thirty different humans <laughs> just <laughs> coming to me with all of their own stuff. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like I was like it's a lot of just like and, and that's kind of where the ADHD kicks in because my brain's just like we got this like, <laughs> yeah, you, got yeah. you got a problem we can handle this All right, are, you able, <laughs> are you able to keep up with teen dramas better because you've been working with teens because you said there's just 30 new kids with all their own yeah. crap and you're like oh so Jack and Laura Bro, are pissed oh off at each other so I try like I try really hard to stay out of it just because Oh my no, gosh. No one can stay out of There's it. There's so <laughs> much of it. But it, no, but the things that, the ways that it affects you is like walking to class. Miss <laughs> Rhodes, I can't sit next to Sarah anymore. Why not? I just can't. So can you move us? Because if I sit next to her, I don't know what's going to happen today. I'm like, well, I can't just change the entire seating chart for you. So I guess you can just sit at my desk today and I'll work something out. That'll probably be fine. Um, but then it's also like one time, oh my gosh, speaking of Sarah, who is a real student, she sat with another girl and they were writing these persuasive essays where we talked about what was the, the prompt was like, what is stronger? Like what kind of love is stronger, camaraderie or romantic love? And they chose... <laughs> I'm like reading their essays out loud because that's what we do. They sit in a group and we all read our essays out. Like when I'm giving them feedback, I'm asking them for explanations. So I'm talking to Sarah and I'm like, so when you say this friend of yours, she doesn't take your advice and then she always gets mad. At it. And I'm like, reading and I'm like, okay. Oh, I get what's going on. Ah. There was like a, two of my favorite students who are actually really good friends. I was reading their essays as two boys and I was like, it was same same essay and one of them he was like you know me and my friend we've had a lot of ups and downs like the one time that he convinced my girlfriend that she shouldn't go out with me so she would date him and I go Benjamin you're okay with this and I like explaining it and the kid that's sitting next to him just like 
freezes like this, and I go, oh, "Is that you? <laughs> it's you, isn't it? You're the girlfriend stealer." Oh man, this is rich. I know. <laughs> Everyone so, stand up and clap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I always into it, but I'm like in the moment, and if anything, I'll like make jabs about it later on. Yeah. Just like, oh hey, how's it going? I was like, is, I was like, is that pencil working for you, or uh, you think your friend is gonna talk it into letting him write with it? Like I was like, like, like weird jokes about it. But I try not to get like when a lot of them like the thing is is that the place that the kids that I work at now like it's funny when people talk about that because yes there still is high school drama and that occurs mm-hmm. but a lot of the times the kids that I talk to when they do come to me with things it is like stuff that I'm just like it's like not drama it's like horrible life stories oh, no. and that's like a lot of it is like a lot like I like I think because like that's such a lot of these kids that's such a, like we still have kid drama like don't get me wrong like mm-hmm. it happens everywhere um, but there's also just stories where they're just like. Uh, you know, like Miss Rhodes, like, you know, I think I'm pregnant. I'm just like, oh gosh, you know what I mean? Like, those are like things that I'm just like, that is not drama. That is real. Yeah, that is, <laughs> We got to yeah. talk about that. But yeah, it's also funny too, because I don't really like the the drama thing when it does happen is I don't know how to relate to that because all like my core group of friends in high school were boys. And so I, and like, I was really ugly and I talk about this in my standup and that makes it really hard for me to, to like girls, like when they're just like, you know, Miss Woods, what would you do? This is a joke I do where I'm just, they're just like, what would you do if someone took an ugly picture of you and posted it everywhere? And I'm like, <laughs> my mom did that every Christmas. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But I did Check and, the yearbook guys. Yeah. yeah. And also, like I was like uh, granted we also didn't have those problems because we didn't have cell phones when I was in school Mm -hmm. but then when they were like fighting with each other about stuff I'm just like I I honestly like I was like I didn't I didn't have a lot of this in my life like there was a lot of broken hearts when I like would tell my friends that were boys like I like you and they're like no 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 (laughs) you know but other than that like that is also what's funny is I'm just like I think that they don't come to me because they're like Rhodes is just going to tell you to get over it. <laughs> <laughs> She's the ice queen, man. Yeah. <laughs> Same piece of advice at Rutgers and at your school. So, so real quick, you're teaching kids. Um, kids are hip. How do we, What? how are the kids partying right now? How can Connor and I become more yeah, hip? Become are you more asking cool? me how you can party with kids? No, 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 no. How can we, we party, like party like kids? kids. Yeah. Um, so what are they like? It's funny too because that's also that is something that is disturbing to me is how open kids want to be about their after school, like their recreation after school. We're like, oh man, Miss Rose got so drunk this week. I'm like, please stop. Like, you cannot things. tell me that. Yeah, you can't. I'm like, you literally can't tell me that because I have to tell a counselor. Like, I'm going to tell a counselor. You just told me that. So in the future, if you don't want a follow up meeting about what you just said, don't just don't tell me. Um, but. They, I always, like, it's funny because I'll ask them, like, so you guys, like, go to the mall this week and hang out? And they look at me like I'm an Jeez. idiot. They're like, what? Wait, it sounds like you're asking them. <laughs> it sounds like you're, like, like bringing it on. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm trying to, like, I'm just like, hey, what you guys got going on this weekend? You know, yeah, I'm like, yeah. just trying to, like, be cool. I'm like, you guys uh, going to the mall? They're just like, what? No. Y'all gonna catch a flick? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, they do go to the movies, so they'll go to the movies, but a lot of times they just, like, they hang out, like, at each other's houses and, uh, they make they make a lot of like YouTube and Snapchat videos. So w- whatever you so do, you have to create content. Record it. <laughs> you do that. And then, we're partying like the kids already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of my one groups of my kids snuck in. They showed me this, this whole YouTube video they made of sneaking into the hotel that's over there by the the one right by Memorial City Mall because I work over there. So there's that like nice hotel right there like off I ten and Gessner, and it's oh, them yeah. like sneaking in and running around and eating. <laughs> They're like in this like like really nice like. 
dining room or something that it's like small but they're like they're just like they have this like water burger spread (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um and they're and they have all these rules it's very they're very funny like i like that they they try like when they talk to me like so for example water burger dinner at the hotel um one of them was telling me about it and they're like miss miss Rhodes. When we started out that dinner, we made very strict rules. Uh, no one was allowed to be on their phones. Everyone had to have had their phones either put away or to the side of the table turned upside down. And we were just going to enjoy each other's company. But Jennifer was on her phone like the whole time. And we brought it up to her that it was against the rules. She just didn't care. What? And yeah, no. And I was just like, I'm like, oh, oh, cool. So what I try to get you to do in class every day. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's it's like, awesome. Good luck. I can't get Jennifer to put a phone <laughs> yeah, down. Exactly. Like, I don't have How to did you do it? it? Your phone is French? literally in your hand talking yeah, to me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. you won't believe this. Yeah, you won't yeah. believe this. Yeah. And, but it's like they, they all these like little like excursions they do. They, you know, like once they one of them can drive. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, but it's a lot of just like. They re- like they just like hang out. They make like they make videos, like goofy videos with each other. A lot of them do like music stuff. Oh. I'm always like surprised at how many of them like tell me that they're like, oh yeah, I make music or I make like goofy videos or here's a video of me dancing. Like, <laughs> um, it's really crazy is that you kind of see that sort of technology part of it makes them want like does make them be like creative in their own ways and you see that how like that's changed because like they're they're like really you know like i think i was listening to a a surrounding another station today and um (laughs) they was like talking about like youtube stars but i mean I remember kids asking me one time, like, oh, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mm, I don't know who that is. Who is that? Are they in a movie? <laughs> She's like a super big YouTube star. And I literally was like, that, that's a thing. Yeah. That and is, a couple of really short movies. That's yeah. A thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's like a big. But so like there they they do a lot of that. Like uh, girls are really into makeup tutorials. So if yeah. you guys, they do a lot of those uh, mm. sometimes in my class <laughs> uh, when they have free time. Like we can do whatever we want right now. And then they just like all this makeup suddenly appears. <laughs> And one of them's like pointing a camera on the other one. And it's like, okay, that's how we're going to do that's it. That's cool. They have like kind of DIY uh, like stars to look up to because yeah. YouTube is very like you have to make it yourself yeah. and do it yourself. So they, they have more better than like looking at Johnny Depp. Yeah. Like, one day I'll be in the movies. Well, like, yeah. They no, actually have a smartphone. Digital literacy is through the roof. Yeah, I was. I had them do a project at the end of the year because I taught 10th grade last year and they had to do like the like ethos, logos and pathos, like the, the mm-hmm. basic rhetorical appeals. And they had to make a print ad and a video ad. They had to make a product which was oh my gosh we'll talk about this product because some of them I'll tell you my I, my favorite winner and I'll send you guys the video of the ad because it is phenomenal please, please. Uh, Marlin, could we share it on our Marlon Facebook? made it public so yeah I'll, I'll make sure I email her and ask her if you can 100% do it but I'm sure she's fine with it because she wants more followers so, <laughs> well, so we don't have many, I let them yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah whoa 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 so they I let them create they had to create their own product which I was really nervous about at first because I just thought man they're not going to do this and they're just going to you know whatever and they it was just like I felt so bad for how much I discounted how much kids want to be creative you know because they came up with amazing things and all of them like they were just like and it was so funny because they're like how do you make a commercial and I it was like the first time I'm teaching I just go I don't know Google it look it up on YouTube and they all did it and it was like the, I, the first time I was like, I like as a teacher, I'm learning like sometimes I need to hold them to higher expectations and let them 
and make them like suffer a little and not hand them everything that but I know that it's out there because I know that there's videos on YouTube of how to do something you know what I mean yeah, like, yeah. I know that I'm not leaving them with nothing and kind of like making them teach themselves which which also is a valuable tool like a lot of things that I do in my classroom people are like how like when like I make my own clothes and people are like how'd you learn to sew I'm like I, YouTube like, yeah, like literally yeah. that's how I learned to do it like I watched YouTube videos and was like oh this is how you do this so speaking of the clothes thing we wanted to ask you. You make all these dresses. Mm -hmm. uh, how much fabric do you need to make clothing? Like, say, matching shirts or something. Mm -hmm. Ha! <laughs> um, and money. Let's put it yeah, that way. Um, yeah, yeah. For shirts, I don't know because I've never made a shirt before. Sh shirts are like hard. They're like really they short dresses, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, like if I made like a pull up, like buttonholes, like this whole yeah, thing yeah. is like difficult. He's got a, um, yeah, a, yeah. And like. Um, but for like a dress, probably depending on like if I want like I mean a circle skirt or a pleated skirt, just like different things, two and a half to three yards. Oh, we got okay. plenty of that. So we have this large swath of minion uh, fabric. <laughs> oh, is that... it a bed sheet? Is it a bed sheet? I, did, I just grabbed the fabric. Yeah. I got it for a toga party, and I wanted to be the best toga. <laughs> so I got I wanted, minions. <laughs> I got the minion yeah. yoga. Are kids into minions in high school? Yes, they still are. They still are. <laughs> Yes. They're into Minions, Perfect. they're into Pizza Cat, they're into Rugrats. Wait, wait, wait. what's Pizza Cat? Samurai Pizza Cat's the wait, old anime from the that, 90s. No, Just it's a, oh, I don't know if it's a cat or cats, but things that have cats and pizza in space, Ugh. backpacks, <laughs> pants, shirts, they're all about it. But I have to tell you about this product because it is. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. please. Got to give a yeah. shout out. So this is the one group that I like loved the most. Going up to them and I'm like, hey guys, three of my, four of my like standout favorite students. What did you guys come up with? And they immediately just launch into the pitch. Like, don't you hate it when yes. <laughs> you try to pick up your baby and its arm falls off? And I was just like, go on. I'm listening. And they're like, introducing baby tape. <laughs> so, baby tape is for when, you, and who is this marketed to? Teen moms. <laughs> I was like, this keeps getting better. Remember, uh, their tagline was CPS won't suspect a thing. <laughs> oh, man. And that is just when I'm like, you guys are amazing. And then their commercial is literally like a baby falling apart. And then one of the kids taping the baby's arm on and then waving the arm like, look, I'm okay. You have to send yeah, it to us. I was so, oh, it was so, uh, it was so, it was so good. But like, that was like, but so many of them, like they weren't the only one. But there's so many of them. One of my other favorites was this. They made this like just regular sports drink. But at the end of the video, we're watching their commercial. And they're like, you can get, you know, your healthy drink or whatever it was called at, you know, like Walgreens at Walmart and your local gym. And then there, it said something really quick in Spanish. So it's like, you can get it here, here, and here. And then it was like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, what did that say? And like, we don't want to tell you. Like, <laughs> I was like, is it inappropriate? Like, no, like, it's just. This is, we're just being weird, Miss Rhodes. And I was like, okay, what does it say? So in Spanish at the end of this, so imagine it says like, you can get this here, here, and here. And then it says like, you can buy it here, you can buy it here. And it's, or I'm sorry, sold here, here, and here. And then the tagline in, in, his, in Spanish says, also sold in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> that's not George. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. I thought it was going to be like at Dusty's house or something. No, yeah. no that's awesome. So hard. I was like, it says also sold in Spanish. So when we played it for all the kids, all the kids were like, what? <laughs> oh my God. I doubt every time it played, I laughed so That's a hard. good joke. Yeah, yeah. But it was so funny. But like, that's the thing is like, you let them do that. And like, it, I know it sounds like cheesy, but it's like, it's so crazy. Like when you like, I try and try and try so hard to like, let them be creative as much as possible. And there's always that balance where 
I wish I was the perfect teacher where every moment of my class got to be creative and I prepared my kids to take the AP test. Mm. Like in a world that would be that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm not there yet and I don't really know many teachers that are there yet that work with the like population that I work with. And so like I try to find as many avenues to let them do that because they get to see themselves shine too and it bring it's what brings them back. Um, and it just makes I mean it makes everything more fun. So yeah. That's amazing. Have you been able to see these students grow up? Like, you've been teaching five, six years? Yeah. So, the students I'm teaching this year actually, this was the first year I taught them because I changed schools last year. And so, but the students that I taught. So the first school I ever taught, I taught freshmen and I didn't get to, like I left after that year because I just wanted to work somewhere. Like I was working in a Tuscacita and I was driving from Montrose to a Tuscacita. Was not gonna happen. And then um, I worked at the school that, I worked at Springwoods for six, seven years and uh, those kids I got to see. Like I taught two two of them, I taught them their ninth grade year and then they had me again for 10th grade. (laughs) And then I saw them graduate and then I saw some other classes graduate. So yeah, no it is, it's really cool to see. It's crazy how they grow. One of my favorite kids that I taught, the first year I was at Springwoods, Tony, it was crazy to see his transformation from uh, like ninth grade to 10th grade. Like I remember he walked to my classroom for 10th grade and he was a completely different person. And then one of my other students, Matthew, who's actually at UT for, um, he got a full scholarship for film and television. Nice. Uh, he's like a, he's just got an amazing mind. Like just really, like really super hilarious kid, super talented, like acting, singing, like every video, like he made all these videos for my class just because he like, he was my class, but he was a kid first semester of my class hated me like stayed after <laughs> class one time to like yell at me um because he was like but he was like very full of emotion a lot of kids yell at you and you just have to be like okay like you have to just take that on and not take ego to it because they're 16 they don't know how to process emotion you can't hold that against yeah. them um but then comes back in like the second semester and was like so mr Rhodes, i heard you're gonna do yearbook next year or newspaper can i be on staff and i was like <laughs> you know i'm that's me Got to spend more time with yeah. me, but then after that, he was like my favorite student. He became like my student Aww. aide. Like uh, he wrote me, like I wrote him a long letter when he left for. You know, I still talk to him. He like has come to shows. Uh, I still like I see him like um, on a fairly regular basis. But I just like I love him, and it's just so funny to think like that kid. Like I just remember him. Yeah, he made my life like a living hell for like six <laughs> weeks. That's yeah. very heartwarming. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's about that time. I gotta Aww. go into our new, our latest segment here. Let's get this queued up here. You guys are really fun to talk to. Yeah. No. This is the first Thank time you. we've ever had someone not talk about parties. One new bug. He didn't get to it. <laughs> what kind of shows do you wanna talk about? All right, Dusty. What do you got to plug? Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, so if you um, go to. Go to F and Rager if you want. Come to the Moth, but I'm so sad to say that because I know that that probably is not great. Technically, we can't promote that show, so you go ahead. Oh, yeah. oh, you guys can't promote on your own show. Well, don't promote what? Yeah. No, oh, I remember. Oh, I remember that was the thing. Anyways, um, there is the Moth. Um, there is like, um, come to Rudyard's, check it out. It's every Monday. Um, you can listen to this show and then head out there afterwards. We go until yeah. midnight, um, and you'll still see good comedians. Um, every first Saturday of the month is Wheelhouse, which yes. is the show that I yes. um, do where it's comedians come up and they do a challenge. Um, I already have the show booked. Also, really, really, really big thing that I want to plug is on August, it's it's the last Monday. It's during um, an anniversary for a, the Rudyard's the bar that we're at. But that Monday will be a showcase of all the best Rudyards. It's Ooh. like um, the best of Rudyards. It's um, August 20th. 
Um, and it's um, so it'll be a show where I feature, and it's only going to be a two-hour show, but where I feature some of the best stand-ups that have come out of the past year at Rudyard's. Oh, and so, oh, like, you'll see, great. and you'll see them doing longer sets. Um, so you'll get to see them breathe a little bit more. But it's like a big show. So if you can come out to that, that's the day to come out to just get kind of a tasting menu for some of the talent you'll and that's see. August twentieth. August twentieth okay. at Reds, and it's at, and it'll start at eight p.m. as well. Well, that's dang, we're gonna head over there yeah. after the show then. Yeah. 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 Is there any? Uh, can people go somewhere to find more information about that show? Or yes, I'll post it. If you like our page, like um, it's the the secret group presents the Red Yards open mic. But if you just go to Red Yards page two, they're promoting it as well because it's Red Yards anniversary weekend, and they're actually promoting like a whole week's worth of shows at oh. Red Yards, including ours. So yeah, but it's Monday the twentieth, and if not every Monday, we're there. But if you really want to see some good talent that night, that's a really strong night of talent that you'll see. Oh, that's fantastic. Awesome. Has Red Yards contacted you about your award-winning karaoke? Uh, <laughs> you <want an> award? <laughs> All right. Well, the show is <laughs> almost over here. Uh, you know, we can't really talk about karaoke now. Um, you know, <laughs> the songs, the, we got to pay royalties, all that stuff. All right. I'd like to thank Dusty Rhodes for coming on to the show. Yeah, thank you, you guys for having me. Come back again. There's yeah. plenty more ground. Yeah, yeah we haven't like, even yeah. talked about parties <laughs> and cops. We didn't even that. talk about you having a show here previously. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There's so much to cover. Oh, we got to go. We're all, right. Time. all right. Well, thank you very much for listening to part one of our show with Dusty Rhodes. Part two will be coming up soon, I'm sure. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.